Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Welcome back to another episode of Slay House Presents. I'm your host, Trevor. With me today is my very special guest, Katrina Carruth. Katrina Carruth is a mother, wife, and horror writer. She currently lives in Maine and obsesses over dungeons and dragons, cats, books, tarot cards, and cooking. She has short stories published in Luna Station Quarterly and Cosmic Horror Monthly, and an essay forthcoming in Sarah Gailey's Personal Canons Cookbook. Welcome, Katrina. Thank you. It's kind of weird to hear my bio read. It's the first time. (laughs) Tell me more about Um, this personal canons cookbook, because this sounds like an absolute treat. Oh, it is. Sarah Gailey has put out, um, I think Sarah Gailey has the best newsletter, by the way. It's called Stone Soup. And uh, it started with the Stone Soup Supper Club, and uh, Sarah put out a call for stories and essays surrounding our connection with food and a specific dish or ingredient or whatever. And um, I think you can still find them on Twitter, X, whatever, or the newsletter, but they've been phenomenal. So when I got accepted, I was kind of mind blown because I've never been published in a group of people like this before and I was kind of like the essays that have been coming out are just really really awesome and they all come with a recipe so that and is... I used to be a professional chef so yeah that this is so fascinating I I love the idea of you know kind of like the themed cookbook um mm-hmm. I've always I I like to cook um I don't like the cleanup that's why I don't do it as often you right. know Um, but I do like to cook and I like to try new things and I I find that like a good fun themed recipe will absolutely get my attention um so like a good you know cookbook um what was the I I just recently bought the D&D cookbook of course oh yeah that's what you do yeah it's great (laughs) I love the D&D cookbooks (laughs) Yeah, this one is awesome because it comes with like an essay of why this is personal to this particular writer. Um, And it was my first time writing an essay and uh, it comes out November 8th and it's like super personal and Sarah really pushed me to take it where I needed to take it. And I've really loved the collection and highly recommend everybody go check it out. It sounds great. So tell me a little bit more about you and about your writing. Oh, that's a low question because I usually feel very lost <laughs> uh, just by, by chaos mode I mostly write horror I've kind of leaned into horror I kind of started out writing fantasy um, lately I think I've started recognizing that I love my voice and I've gotten there but yeah I think just strengthening some other things has been a little difficult for me I feel a little emotionally stunted so conveying emotion in my work is really difficult and in horror I think that's super important to be able Mm. to convey emotion that's kind of the core I think of most horror so um, I feel like I've been working so hard but don't have a ton to show for it just yet Uh, I did finish my first novel it's with an editor right now 
um, not my first novel. I've just, this is the farthest I've ever gotten with a book. Um, yeah, I've been leaning a lot into more grief horror and my personal experiences, and that's been difficult for me to write about, but hopefully in the future, I will have a lot more out there. Yeah, you just recently had a piece come out with Cosmic Horror Monthly called Rumination. This came out in August. Golly, what a what a crazy story. And <laughs> I feel like what a what a, a, a kind of beautiful, uh, terrifying story about you know, kind of this cycle of um, of, you know, motherhood or parenthood. Uh, it's a a very compelling piece. What was kind of the locus Thank for you, you or the, the spirit of uh, uh, invention in rumination for you? Um, a lot of anger and rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> we uh, recently moved to Maine from Utah where I grew up and I really missed the desert. I know I was going to miss the desert and um, a lot of our process of you know telling family that we were moving didn't go over so well in Utah it's not as common for people to move away from their family and um, so I kind of wanted to play with that I don't know that thought process behind the expectation that your kids should do what you want them to do and how easy it is to get to a point as you get older of understanding your parents a little more, even though I don't agree with it. Um, that ending was not necessarily a happy ending. It's not the <laughs> ending I chose, uh, you know, but um, I, I, it did all come from a major place of rage and I just wanted to give myself some time to hang out in a desert landscape. So that's where it well, came it, from. It's a very powerful story. Um, I really you. love it. And uh, listener, if you're looking for some spooky Halloween reads, uh, I highly encourage you go check out Cosmic Horror Monthly and the August issue especially has some really great fiction, <laughs> including Katrina's. Yeah, I love Cosmic Horror Monthly. I've been a huge fan of theirs for a long time and they publish some of the coolest stories, I think. And I love Cosmic Horror. So everything in it is just like right up my alley. Yeah, it's super, super cool. So... This episode, I invited you on to talk about Halloween horror and really talk through, you know, some of our favorite reads for a spooky season, as well as other media that we commonly consume around this part of the year, which I consider runs usually from like September to December, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I am obsessed with Halloween. So this was I was so excited when you asked me to do this. Yeah, I like many kids who had a very conservative upbringing. Um, <laughs> I Us. I swung really hard in adulthood into Halloween stuff. I was like, yes. let's celebrate all of the things that we never celebrated as a kid, uh, much yeah, to my parents' dismay. Yep. <laughs> so we have a, a small selection, both of us, of uh, books and media. Uh, and then you also have some snacks and beverages, and I wanted to talk about our traditions. So maybe let's jump into uh, books first, since this is a literary podcast. What are uh, what's what's your first kind of compelling read for a spooky season? So mine 
Uh, I read when I was 13 at sort of an interesting time in my life. Uh, it was my first Clive Barker book called The Thief of Always. I think it still remains my favorite Clive Barker. Um, I don't mean to make this all doom and gloom, but I think this book resonated with me because about the same time I found out my dad had cancer. And I don't know how many 13-year-olds have like this wild concept of time but the thief of always hit me so hard because not only is it terrifying um, but the, the theme of time and how time can pass and how we lose it and how we don't cherish it just destroyed me as a kid it's about for those who haven't read it it's about this kid Harvey who gets invited to go to this holiday house and every day is every holiday um, and the Halloween bits are especially spooky, but it takes a while to figure out there's something really sinister going on in this house. And time has a huge role in that. I don't want to spoil it, although everybody should have read it at this point. It was written in the 90s, I think. <laughs> oh, but it was so, so scary for me to just think I'm someone who invests fully in what I'm reading I act as though I'm in the story which is why things scare me so much more even if it's stupid I'm like but I don't know how I'd get out of that you know so, <laughs> uh, yeah I love The Thief of Always I, I've read it it's probably the book I've read the most in my life oh wow um I'm I'm gonna be the lame person who's gonna say uh, I've never read it I'm <laughs> what <laughs> I oh know. my god it's so good Oh, it's so to, terrifying. I'm going to have to add it to the very top of my list for sure. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm I'm very new to horror. Uh, I only started reading it when I was in grad school, really. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I don't know, like, like with many things, I think you have to kind of build up a tolerance to it a little bit. And yeah. um, I never had that chance as a kid because my parents were very horror averse. Right. And so, you know, in adulthood, I kind of started reading some stuff. Like I, I started with Stephen King's The Shining and mm -hmm. uh, that book scared the crap out of me in places. <laughs> and I had to, it's I had terrifying. To go, yeah. It's so, and it was the topiary scene where, you know, the, the, uh, the bushes or the, the animal topiary or whatever is like coming alive and it's like oh my god know, chasing after Danny or whatever um yeah and I I like that part of the story just scared the pants off of me and so I was like I don't I don't know if this is really my thing um ah! but through continuous study you know I started to treat it more like uh any other aspect of my studies and I taught myself a language of understanding horror. And, and in that way, I still think it's terrifying. Don't get me wrong. Like there are some books I will not read with the lights, <laughs> you know, like, like I won't yeah. read them <laughs> when it's dark outside. Um, but I, you know, have become more accustomed to it, but Clive Barker, I've only ever read one thing from him. And oh, that wow. was um, the, uh, oh, the Hellbound Heart. Is that what it is? The Hellbound yeah. Heart? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. I only read this one because I also grew up in a super like religious conservative home. It got a little more relaxed as I got older, but um, I had heard The Thief of Always. I don't know if this is true, but at the time I'd heard that 
Clive intended it for kids, but they decided it was too scary and threw it with the standard horror. So it's not quite the most aggressive thing he's written, but it's also not something that I find in the kids section. Maybe now we would, but um, there was a scene in the book where this kid has an opportunity to actually become a monster on Halloween, not just have the Mm. costume. And there's this moment where he's given this opportunity to really hurt another kid. And I was rooting for him to do it because I hate (laughs) this other (laughs) kid. When he doesn't do it, I felt so horrible. You know, as this little Mormon kid who was like rooting for this and the character chooses, you know, the right way. And I didn't. And I felt like such a monster. I was like, what does that say about me? Oh, my God. I was mortified. But I still stand by it. I wish he'd have bit him. there is something about horror that like i think brings out the most vengeful parts of us um yeah it's a weird experience i i experienced it once in uh a class we were kind of talking about um psycho and Mm -hmm. in that movie you know norman bates goes to try to sink this car and and there's a moment where you feel like oh no is he actually going to be able to sink the car because the car doesn't quite submerge entirely right and it's in that moment when you realize you're rooting for the bad guy (laughs) yeah always (laughs) right and i feel like i keep coming back to that um last night caitlin and i watched saw five for some stupid reason (laughs) of course the fifth one (laughs) yeah we're, we're we're watching all of all of the saw movies together And there was a moment when uh, the characters are talking about, you know, this like new death trap. And they're like, well, one of us has to die. And that's the joke. It's like none of them have to die. Um, Right. (laughs) Right. But they're like, one of us has to die. And and the two of us are just talking to each other. Like, who's it going to be? Oh, I hope it's that dude. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we have this real like, you know, passion for like, well, that guy's a jerk. He's the biggest jerk of the jerks. So let's kill Mm -hmm. him off. And and it's it's funny how this media can kind of play and and prey on your your uh, consciousness a little bit that way. Well, I also feel like uh, there's a certain generation that grew up with reality TV, at least for me, where, you know, so much of my upbringing was was basically judging people on television and who do I want to go home this week, you know? So I'm not surprised that a lot of us just naturally have that. Well, if someone's got to go, I'll pick him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, my first pick uh, for a book, I, I went through this whole thought process of kind of thematically thinking, what does Halloween really say uh, to me? You know, what are some of the mainstays of Halloween? And I think that um, this is absolutely a time when like everybody's a vampire right? and like we kind of yeah. become obsessed with these supernatural creatures um, and vampires, I think, are a classic mainstay of horror fiction. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to choose a book that has vampires in it um, that I think is just a, a really amazing or interesting um you know, book that is talking about vampirism. So of course there's like your Draculas, your Carmillas, you know, these are, you can read them anytime. But I chose Night's Edge by Liz Karen. This is a pretty recent book. It's a little more summery than it is kind of autumnal, 
Um, but it is a really compelling story about vampirism and about not just a, a literal physical vampirism, but an emotional vampirism and how that can kind of affect uh, a, a, a young woman's life. Um, it is incredibly compelling and wow. an absolutely beautiful book. Um, so that was kind of my first pick is like, let's, let's look at some cool vampire fiction. I love it. I need to read that. I love, I'm the person that will never get off the vampire boat. I am on it forever. All these waves of like vampires are in or not in. I'm on with vampires all the time. I love seeing how people try to spin it or make it new. So that sounds, yeah, like a book I definitely need to read. I don't know why I haven't already. Yeah. In a, in a year that I feel like has been stacked with some really, truly excellent vampire oh, fiction. Yeah um night's edge really stood out to me i i absolutely loved it and not just because i got to have her on the show and you know talk about the book but uh because it's it's really genuinely a very great book um i struggled though to like limit myself to which you know vampire story i yeah. at one point in time i was even like i don't know it's twilight not like kind of a little bit perfect for a spooky season because yeah it's absolutely dumb don't get me wrong but i take so much pleasure in it's weird i know. do too not <laughs> the book so much i love the movies um they're those things i love to hate you know they're just so charming in this really absurd kind of way and i was just telling my husband two nights ago <laughs> we need to watch them all i don't know what it is yes no i agree um i'm not I'm not keen on the books either. I think the books are really, really terrible, but I love the movies in that weird way where you like, you know, it's bad, but you don't really mm -hmm. care. Like that's yeah. part of the experience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And those, those movies were absolutely my guilty pleasure. I would go and watch every single one of them in the theaters by myself telling no yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was absolutely a thing it was like the new twilight's out and i'm like all right well i'm gonna go see it <laughs> yeah we were always at the midnight showings because i loved the crowd i love the clapping i love the reactions of like the first night you know that it's acceptable to do that in the theater um, <laughs> right, right. i loved the midnight showings people were insane yeah so hit us with your second book um, so I would say my second pick is Goddess of Filth by V. Castro. Um, I fucking love this book so much. Um, it's so short and I'm so blown away with what she packs into such a short story. Also, for some reason, despite like all my religious trauma, I am not afraid of possessions at all. That's something, probably the only thing in horror that doesn't really get me, but this one did. Uh, there is a particular scene in this book where, you know, she's leaning into the mirror and you get a glimpse of what's going on in there. And it's absolutely terrifying. And B. Castro's characters are so strong. This is such a feminist, like kick-ass yes. sisterhood kind of book. It's beautiful and it's scary and it's perfect read, I think, at Halloween because it doesn't take up too much space in your time like it's just a perfect condensed I could have had a much longer story out of this to be honest but I think it's just solid I loved it yeah I 
I agree with you. Um, the book, you know, being about kind of a, not just a possession, but a self-possession is such mm-hmm. a fascinating concept. And it yeah. takes what I think is very familiar about this trope in fiction and kind of turns it on its head. And like you say, it it makes it into a feminist allegory that I mm-hmm. find so deeply satisfying, like so Me much too. of B. Castro's fiction. Um, I absolutely love her stuff for that reason explicitly and um yeah goddess of filth made me weep the first time i read it it was so so powerful um Mm -hmm. absolutely agree what a fantastic choice yeah it's such an empowering book i love the way she's able to spin you know such horrific things in her writing to be empowering i just love it yeah um i definitely wish that the book were just a little just a little bit longer um because mm-hmm. i could have i could have stayed with those characters for i could have too <laughs> when it was over i was like God damn it, i gotta read it again <laughs> yes yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah well i won't steal from you um i i had a, a book in mind for my you know kind of second pick uh that i'll i'll kind of leave to you um, but I, again, I was kind of thinking of this, like thematically, I'm, I'm, I love that you bring up an exorcism cause that was not kind of on my list, but I feel like it should have been. Yeah. For Halloween. Yeah. But I do love, um, I do love ghosts. I do love mm-hmm. like a good, you know, ghost story. Um, mm-hmm. so my second pick is Crossroads by Laurel Hightower. Okay. Another novella. This is a really easy mm-hmm. read. Um, something that you can knock out on a Sunday, like I like to do. Um, but mm-hmm. Crossroads is the story about a mother who is haunted by the loss of her son and cannot let it go. And yeah. really dives into the question of what would a mother do for her children? Um, and and kind of like the horror grows from that, you know, a kind of realization that she cannot let go of this loss. It is absolutely beautiful. It is emotionally uh, moving and also deeply, deeply terrifying to the the point that I had to put the book away for a little bit and just like stare at it out of the corner of my eye because (laughs) there's some really scary parts. Wow. I haven't read this one yet. I have kind of a stack of grief horror that I have to kind of slowly pluck at. And this is on the list, but I'm definitely going to have to move that up higher because that sounds amazing. You talk about grief horror. I mean, this is a, it's hard. It is an emotionally racking book. Um, But I think that's what's so good about it, right? Is because uh, Laurel really knows how to kind of build some good, solid suspense and to kind of dish that out in a way that is so deeply human and yeah you know we we very much know like this character is going to make the wrong decisions it, it wouldn't be horror if they didn't constantly make the wrong decisions right yeah. um but you understand why she continues to make that you know these this kind yeah. of cascade of bad decisions um because that's who we are right like that that's our human grief that's our human the 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 weight of our hum humanness oh absolutely oh it's so good yeah 
yeah, this one has definitely been on my radar for a long time, and I think I need to bump it up because I mean we're getting into you know sad season after Halloween. Everything <laughs> to me gets kind of sad. Sounds like the <laughs> perfect time <laughs> bust this one out. I love. I don't know that I would classify it as sad season. I love Christmas. Um, I do too. Like the holidays between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Mm -hmm. And then after New Year's, definitely mopey. uh, Yeah. I think I'm dreading it now that we've moved and we have no family. And I was sort of the person who facilitated all of the gatherings. It will definitely be a different holiday season for me. So I'm anticipating. (sighs) Big, well, big sads if you need to do some facetiming with friends like i'm down oh i'll let it. you know <laughs> just prop your phone up at your you know christmas gatherings i'll just pretend i'm there yeah this is the first time that my parents uh and i are in the same state and oh cool not the first time but first time in like 20 years or something <laughs> nice and, yeah, so I'm really excited to have them so close because um, I haven't, you know, we haven't spent all the holidays together in a very long time. So very looking cool. forward to that. Well, how about another book? Yeah, so I'm going to go down the Rachel Harrison road because that's my favorite. I know it is of yours as well. I yeah. had a hard time picking one because I love all of her books, but I'd say my favorite halloween read would be cackle uh i just loved that book the first time i read it i was like this is just such a vibe and i'm here for it and it's emotional isn't the witch's name sophie yeah yeah i I was reading it and realized that i thought she was such an invasive friend and then realized that that is also me as a friend (laughs) (laughs) i was like wow i probably shouldn't relate to this character so much but I do but I just love it like the spider and the creepy stuff that goes on when she stays the night at Sophie's house and like it's just it has everything so so fun for Halloween yeah I I actually chose cackle on account of witches are so Halloween right yeah Um, pretty much yeah and uh, I love Rachel Harrison just like through and through and Mm -hmm. I have yet to read a book from her a story from her that hasn't just been like yep that's top 10 (laughs) yep (laughs) same they're so good oh I had a really hard time narrowing it down but uh I would say cackle for sure although you know any of them all of them right cackle I think is perfect because if even if you're not somebody who like loves and adores horror right yeah um cackle is still for you it is yeah not to go down the road of of controversy with uh cozy Cozy. horror right (laughs) (laughs) i think we can both admit that it's like our jam though oh yeah no it totally (laughs) is and i i do think that it is cozy like Mm -hmm. it's it's cozy because it's emotionally endearing and it's it's really charming and Mm -hmm empowering right yeah and like those are all things that i really love in my fiction so same yeah 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 i I, I, I agree with your, your pick like 100 percent. good it was going to be on my <laughs> list if it wasn't on yours so i thought so i i assumed if i didn't put it on there it would come up so i felt confident that <laughs> this would be a good choice <laughs> 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, my third choice, um, I went back to the well thinking about like, what are, what's really Halloween-y? Uh, I think urban legends, those are, those mm-hmm. are always very Halloween centric, right? Um, so I chose Daphne by Josh Mailerman. Um, okay. I haven't read this one. This is, a, it's pretty recent. It's only come out in the last year. Um, it is about this towering woman named Daphne who is like the ghost or spirit or you know just the the somebody who's malevolent and she runs around this town she murders like teenagers that's what she does um and the whole shtick is like you if you can't think about Daphne um if you think about Daphne Daphne will find you and she'll like rip your spine out of your body or something wow it's crazy um but it it's clear that the the story of Daphne is really more grappling with anxiety um because Daphne is more an allegory for anxiety in this book and so it's got all of the right spooky elements it's got the urban legend of like this terrible tall woman named Daphne who's who's just gonna come out and come after you if you think about her too much and the town doesn't like to talk about Daphne because there's a real story behind the uh, historical Daphne that existed in this town and and it's just a very interesting book about how a community does or does not handle the difficult stuff of life. Sure. Wow. I need to read that too. It's a lot of fun. I really, really, really enjoyed it. it I think it was wow. one of my top 10 picks last year. Oh, wow. It's pretty new then, yeah? It is. Yeah. It, I think it came out in like November of last year, maybe. Yeah, I definitely need to read something like that. I love stuff like that. Yeah, that sounds- I find I again, I come back to the the core of horror, I think for its allegory, you know, for what it kind of can externalize um that we struggle with internally. Um horror is oh, yeah. an emotion, it is you know, emotionally effective and so I I like stories that play with those ideas i do too and i think that's the kind of horror that um that kind of stays with you so i'm really excited to read that because it sounds yeah i don't know i'm really really grateful for your picks because (laughs) i am getting a whole new slew of stories i haven't read i love it yeah i mean i'm writing down your list as we're talking so (laughs) (laughs) At least the stuff that I haven't already read, yeah. Yeah. So how about a fourth pick from you? Um. So I am going to say, okay, I'm just going to apologize. I don't know even how to narrow down a book for my love of T. Kingfisher. Um, <laughs> because I think everything she writes is perfect for Halloween. Like even her fantasy. Her fantasy is still like, spooky and kind of morbid and i would say if i had to pick one i'd suggest twit the twisted ones that one really at my last house when i read it for the first time i my house was surrounded by scrub oak 
And so there was a whole vibe of my house reading this book, looking outside and just waiting to see one of those creatures outside with the <laughs> antlers and the twigs and oh, it's just so good. But I think honestly, just everything she writes, I really had a hard time narrowing it down because her stuff is so creepy. So, so creepy. I agree with you. I've only read one book from uh, T. Kingfisher, although I have several just sitting on my TBR, my never ending mm -hmm. TBR that's yep. going to kill me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I read um, what was one of her most recent ones with uh, Nightfire? What, oh, moves what Moves the Dead? Oh, that one is perfect. I love I... What Moves the Dead. I love it for two reasons. One, I just think that it is such a weird and compelling story. It it, it really amplifies those gothic vibes, which I think are yes. perfect for this time of year. Um, but it's also based on a, an Edgar Allan Poe short story that mm -hmm. I find super good to begin with. So um, yeah, like total vibes. I'm absolutely down with that. Yeah, I love her writing and her voice. She's really good at keeping... I love the way she breaks up the tension with some humor or just something that seems a little absurd that you don't expect in the moment because it makes the scary moments even more terrifying because now you're caught off guard, right? Like this is <laughs> a little silly right now. And then she goes right back into being creepy and, and this unsettling way she tells her stories and delivers information that is just so entertaining for me. I just adore everything she's ever written. Yeah, you kind of have to have the cat jump scare before yes. you know, the real monster shows up. Like it's yes, there's a there's a reason why that trope exists, right? Yes, and her characters are always so fun and so interesting. Especially in What Moves the Dead, I think I really appreciated all of her characters. They're so distinct. I just so invested in them from the get-go it's really incredible yeah the thing about what moves the dead for me was that as a novella i felt like it suitably expanded on the original story um yes. i do think that i've i've heard some criticism that it, it removes a lot of the subtext of the original story which i can understand mm -hmm. you know like yeah but also this story is doing very different things and I yeah. think that that's what I love about it is like it doesn't just feel like someone came in to be like I'm just gonna redo Poe again right it, it's like no this is really a complete kind of reinterpretation and representation of the story for a modern audience and I I love that I loved that story yeah, I love that too, because I think there are so many constant retellings of certain stories. And at some point, you know, they're going to get farther and farther away from the earlier, you know, inspired stories based on that. So that's why I love it. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, my fourth pick, um, I went back to the well of thinking about what is Halloween? You know, what do we... What do we like to do during this time? And I think that scary movies with friends, of course, uh, that's that's uh, as we'll talk about with traditions. But um, scary movies with friends is absolutely a Halloween vibe. It's a, a yes. sort of thing that you do. 
Um, so I chose Curse of the Reaper by Brian McCauley, which oh, is well, very yeah. deeply. Well, I mean, he's I, I absolutely <laughs> love Brian. No, no yeah. surprise there. Um, but I feel like this is this is the experience of watching a scary movie just as a book. <laughs> you know, it's about yes. a washed up actor in a scary movie franchise who has been recast and he's not quite okay with that decision and so uh conflict ensues right um but it is so reverent towards i think the scary movie genre um especially the slasher genre of like friday the 13th or uh nightmare on elm street you know there's there's it's very evocative of that particular kind of 80s serial Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I just, I absolutely love this book. I think that for my spooky season needs, it is my (laughs) go-to, kind of my go-to book. Yeah, I've heard so many people say they're not, you know, that aren't fans of slashers who have really enjoyed this book. And it seems totally perfect for this time of year. Just fun, spooky, and he's great. I mean, he's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I knew as soon as I started putting my list together, I was like, well, Brian's going to end up on this list. Like there's no way way he doesn't. Uh, But what I love about Curse of the Reaper too is, is like his character work is so immaculate. I mean, he really writes great, strong characters um, who are sympathetic, um, even though they might be (laughs) antagonists toward each other you can very much see where they're coming from and why they have a stake in the outcome. Um, In this case, the outcome being being cast in a scary movie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, how much fun. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a great book Um, full of, of a lot of kind of surprising humor. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that Macaulay definitely has a, a taste for that, you know, kind of combining the the excess of humor with the excess of of the horror um Mm -hmm. but he doesn't cheapen out on any of those human moments either yeah i love it that's the best kind of horror i think yeah so let's hear your last pick before we move on to some other media so i had a hard time not just putting short story collections on my list because (laughs) there are so many short story collections i go to at this time of year um, but I think one of my favorites is Ghost Summer by Tanana Reevdu, Um, because there are so many stories in it that I've noticed how I feel about them changes the older I get. Mm. Um, and I kind of go back and have favorites around this time of year. I'll go back and maybe reread one that either I hadn't read or um, I don't really remember as much. And that happened this year. I was kind of flipping through to think you know, about a particular story to talk about. And I think she's most well-known in this collection for a story called Patient Zero. But this year I, I reread a story called Summer that's about this woman who's got a very small child and our baby, basically. And suddenly this child that's crying all the time and, you know, keeps her up at night is just so well-behaved. And um, it's now that I'm a mom, it's this creepy, she has an opportunity to sort of eliminate this demon that sort of subdued her baby. And the stories ended up 
like kind of open-ended by the end because you don't know what she chooses to do and I get it and it felt so <laughs> horrific because she's so good at taking such mundane things and making them so unsettling like if you could choose to not have your real baby but it's well behaved would you do that for a summer you know like <laughs> and I'm like I think I might <laughs> Oh, it's this, but it reading it now was so horrifying. I had never really processed what was going on in this story, just my own personal experience. And I was like, well, obviously, you know, you'd get your baby back. But now that I've had those sleepless nights, <laughs> the the conundrum by the end of the story, and she's she's so good at making everything so personal. And I also love this collection because I like a lot of horror that takes place. Uh, in the summer or in not the traditionally spooky settings, you yeah. know, thunderstorms and darkness. A lot of her stuff is very out there and transparent and in the light and in everyday stuff. And this collection is perfect for that range of atmosphere, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, I, I, no, this, is, this is totally stupid, but I want to share this story about like the sleepless nights and uh -huh. you know would you trade your baby out or whatever um i was a i was a terrible terrible little kid to try to manage uh when i was really young and my mother um <laughs> just had a hard time with me and I, and one day i just stopped being terrible and she thought i was ill like she she literally thought i was just like sick and so <laughs> so she took me to the doctor she's like something's wrong with him oh my <laughs> the God. doctor was like what do you mean something's wrong and she's like i mean just look at him like <laughs> is a changeling obviously <laughs> <laughs> right 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 yeah oh my god yes. it is scary though as a parent like my toddler his pendulum of behavior is so out of control and there will be some days when we're just sitting and snuggling and I don't care how much tv we're watching because it's like he's just so cute and so precious and the next day I can't get you know a response from him that isn't a scream and it's just so I can imagine you know if that was the constant and then suddenly right. it just ceased to exist I would also be very startled <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, it was really, um, oh, it was really funny because she she said the only time I was ever manageable was when I was ill, and <laughs> and then one day I just stopped, and she was like, "Oh God, something is he dying?" That is so funny and also relatable. Yeah. <laughs> well, my final pick uh, in terms of of books. Um, Again, going back to this well of like, what is uh, Halloween? Of course, there's trick-or-treating involved. Um, it's a, you know, time-honored tradition for a lot of people. And so I chose Blood Sugar by Daniel Krauss. Okay. This is a book about um, a kid who hangs out with this do-nothing, know-nothing kind of older teenager or uh, young adult. Um, and they're 
quite angry at like society and the world and they're they're gonna lash out so the plan comes together that they're gonna put the the razor blades in candy bars and pass them out on halloween that's yeah that's the premise and so you know kraus has said that you know this in this book one of the things he really wanted to do was try to test the limits of you know human empathy like can we look at someone and their circumstances when they're clearly a villain character, um, mm-hmm. but find some, some sympathy, find some empathy for them. Um, so, you know, can you feel empathy for a guy who wants to put razor blades in your kids' candy bars? Um, and it's, a- I would be interested to find out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, so it's a very, interesting story and i think one of the things that makes it all the more special is the narrative voice in this book um because it's told from the perspective of like this 12 year old with pink eye who has like a swearing problem and is trying to not swear as much so they use the same swears that you might see on like tv like um yippee kaye mr shark week or whatever (laughs) that sort of thing um, so it's a it's just an utterly fascinating reading experience. Um, and I think for the Halloween season, I love something that's both a treat in terms of its sleaziness, but also a treat in terms of its thoughtfulness. And I think this book does both really well. Okay. Also gonna put that on my radar. I think I've seen it going around and people talking about it, but I um, you know, how the TPR gets, it's just there's no controlling it it will kill me yeah i know it's like that one crisis at a time you know we just (laughs) (laughs) oh that sounds amazing oh it's so much fun um it is the book that that put daniel kraus on my radar for like like things i must i must read every book from this guy um and uh yeah so he keeps putting out books and i keep like emptying my bank account to you know to follow like it's very good stuff wow excellent so let's transition into a recipe before we talk about some of our favorite seasonal movies oh into a recipe Ooh, okay um well i used to be a professional chef um i also feel like i got a little behind in the horror world because between growing up you know, Mormon and not having as much access to it. Uh, and then becoming a chef and working so much. There was a, several years I didn't read very much. Um, but I uh, asked, I was teaching cooking classes at a culinary place for the home cook and asked if I could throw a Halloween themed cooking class. Um, and they thought I was crazy. And then I, until they let me do it and then it sold out and then we added another one and another. Oh, wow. <laughs> it got really uh, fun, but the, I got to come up with some fun things, um, like little fried eyeballs. You just stuff an olive in some cream cheese and roll it in panko and fry it. And it's so good. You can serve it with any sauce. Um, we did pumpkin cupcakes. My favorite thing to teach people was caramel apples. Uh, because I do think making caramel apples is actually quite easy. Um, if you have a pretty forgiving recipe and I had, had given them one, I can share that with you. If uh, that's something you want to, we need to share it. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I really love uh, 
this time of year as far as food goes because there's so much that's available you know there's still a lot of farms and things that have seasonal I just I just love cooking this time of year pumpkin I'm the pumpkin bitch for sure I don't even get to <laughs> deny it since <laughs> that's on the shelves I'm so stoked I want pumpkin everything um and I also do uh, cocktails so I did make well that's a whole other ball game but we won't go there um <laughs> yeah it's really hard to narrow just one particular thing I guess besides what I made in that cooking class specifically is there like a specific food other than you know pumpkin stuff um that you feel like you're you're craving to cook right now or like you know something that you really like this is the season for it probably chili probably because you can do so much with chili I love chili it's you know I like spicy chili and mm. that was something I never really got to have growing up my parents didn't really like spicy food and so this time of year now that I'm an adult I really get to do what I want so usually there's a big pot of spicy chili on the stove at some point this time of year because i just I'm, love it i just made chili la this last week um oh nice i went out and i i purposefully made a whole pot of it even though it's just me and my wife because i was like yep. I, I just want to eat this all week um <laughs> we do the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and i like that it keeps you know you stick some in the freezer you can have some later mm -hmm. it's good yeah yeah hard agree yeah, and there's some about having something with a little kick this time of year, too, when it's, like, kind of cold outside. I don't know why that's so satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also, this is a weird tradition from my family, anyway. Growing up, uh, my parents were quite conservative. They didn't really like to celebrate Halloween. But we would, basically, every Halloween, we would throw up like blackout blackout curtains across all of the windows so nobody could like peer in and be like oh are they like home um because we we didn't want to dignify trick-or-treaters um interesting yeah so it became like this this i don't know like this weird rivalry where it's like family versus trick-or-treaters and and we'd be quiet and and not show that we're home so that we wouldn't get you know people asking for candy or whatever and we would gather up in our living room and watch movies together. And every Halloween, we would have uh, just like weird finger foods that we normally mm -hmm. would not get, you know, because mm -hmm. let's face it, pizza rolls are not nutritiously, <laughs> you know, like compelling. Like they're not, they're not nutritious at all, but they're delicious. No. So good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we would have we'd have pizza rolls and and chicken nuggets and t tater tots and, you know, like any of the weird little finger foods that we just wouldn't otherwise normally have um, yeah. kind of a Halloween on a budget sort of thing. And I have the fondest memories of those moments with my family where we were watching you know, whatever wholesome sure. TV show or, you know, movie that we were watching. Um, but even today we get to this season and all of a sudden the only thing I want to eat is like pizza rolls because, mm -hmm. <laughs> because like that is what I associate with, yeah. you know, kind of this Halloween season. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, we, my mom always made a big bowl of caramel corn for Halloween uh, because she would do popcorn balls for my friends. And that's sort of, I just like also caramel this time of year besides pumpkin stuff. It's just so sticky. You know, we'd come home with all this candy and then my mom's handing out this like basically just sugar drenched popcorn for all my friends while we watch <laughs> whatever, whatever we're allowed to watch, you know. Um, and uh, I remember digging into, she'd leave some in the bowl for me because I didn't like it packed in the ball. I didn't like to have to pull it apart. I liked it really loose and gooey <laughs> and it was just a sticky mess every Halloween. So I love that. Um, it's like a, a rice crispy treats. Um, oh yeah. You know, another kind of seasonal favorite um, mm -hmm. around this time of year. It's like, that's, that's the go-to treat for sure. Gets very sticky this time of year. Everything is <laughs> the texture is a of Halloween mess. is just sticky. <laughs> it really is. There's some goo on the wall or some something on your face or yeah, it's everywhere. That's really funny. I had not thought about it as a like Halloween as a texture, but I feel like you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think, I think sticky is it. <laughs> So um, I also wanted to talk just a little bit about like, you know, what are the movies that, that move us this time of year? Um, for me, I think House on Haunted Hill, the 1959 one with Vincent Price is where it's at. Um, that movie, because I didn't well, get to watch scary movies growing up. Um, like I wasn't even allowed to watch Casper the Friendly Ghost because it said the Lord's name in vain, you know, so. <laughs> House on Haunted Hill, you know, my dad was born in 41. So I grew up just naturally watching, you know, a lot of the older movies because they thought they were obviously more wholesome, you know. Uh, and even <laughs> though I watch I watch House on Haunted Hill now and I'm like, this is actually kind of fucked up. Like when they give everybody a gun, except like, but the women get blanks, you know, because they don't trust the women with real bullets. <laughs> it's like... Like, it's just so funny in the screams. You don't get screams like that in movies no, anymore. That really black and don't. white, the sound, even though you can see the skeleton, like, scooting on wheels, you know, towards. Right. <laughs> it's so terrifying. That movie is just the jump scares, the. Even in the beginning, you know, when the blood is dripping from the ceiling and marks the lady, you know, it's just yes. I remember being so terrified of that movie as a kid because I didn't really know anything else much scarier, you know, and that <laughs> oh, that was just the scream at the very beginning, even before Vincent Price's head comes out and tells you what's going on. It's so good. Yes, um, I'm so you hit on so many things that. I totally agree with because this is one of my favorite <laughs> movies like mm -hmm. not not even just you know favorite for the season it's one of my mm -hmm. favorite movies um like you my parents were not super particular about me watching movies if it was in black and white it was like yeah it's like color is the danger <laughs> yeah it really was unless it was like seven brides for seven brothers which that's a whole other psychological mess <laughs> you know you can't even handle in one podcast episode but like <laughs> i know you're totally right uh -huh. um but i mean like my dad absolutely loves uh b movie horror like that is a hundred percent his kind of 
schlocky stick. Um, and so growing up, I, like we had all kinds of, you know, black and white horror like in the house and my parents would take me to the library every week one of the one of the greatest things my parents ever did was just encourage me to read anything anything and everything mm -hmm. except for vc andrews they were really like don't read flowers in the attic okay there <laughs> i get it i i, <laughs> I understand that um but but my my parents were you know they were really discerning with a lot of things but when it came to film it was like anything in the black and white era is is probably fine yeah <laughs> and so i watched um just tons and tons and tons of vincent price movies mm -hmm. um and my mother like always kind of loved and hated it um even today she she can't really stand vincent price and it's not because she dislikes him it, it's because she had a particular experience where my grandmother took her and my uncle to a re a reading from vincent price of edgar Allan poe so oh my god i'm so jealous i know like i'm i'm insane with jealousy over this but but they went and they they went to this community theater and vincent price came out and he put on the spookiest reading of Poe that anyone could probably ever do. And she said that it messed her up so bad. Um, it was so scary that she, she has never let it go. Oh my God. That yeah, is so, so funny. Yeah. So like Vincent Price has been a, a mainstay. My grandmother absolutely adores him. Just think he mm -hmm. thinks he's, uh, a generational treasure and and to be fair he mm -hmm. is he's so yeah. wonderful to watch um so haunting a haunting on or house on haunted hill is um absolutely one of my favorite movies and i pair that with another william castle feature uh which is the tingler also from 1959 okay. so the same okay. year same Great director. year <laughs> yeah same director and Vincent Price is in it. Um, mm -hmm. And it. have you seen The Tingler? Uh, it's been a minute <laughs> yeah, since I've seen The I know I've seen it, but I probably need to revisit it. I wait for the bundles to come out this time of year and start yes. collecting them all. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's it's this movie about uh, Vincent Price plays like a doctor who discovers this weird parasite that resides in... Uh, everyone's spines and and when we get afraid it like sucks up all of those all of that adrenaline or whatever and it grows bigger and bigger until it like snaps your neck and you die of fright and the only way to get rid of it is to scream if you scream it paralyzes it and then it shrinks back down wow it's i really need to revisit this because i don't think my child memory processed this synopsis <laughs> it is it is bonkers it is like wow. off the rails crazy so there's there's this one particular guy he discovers that the tingler is a real thing and his his wife is um mute and so he decides that he's gonna scare her to death because she can't scream to like you know release the 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 fear and paralyze this creature sure it's so insane and it's 
<laughs> it is. And I love it. And it's full of that same William Castle. Like for, for whatever reason, William Castle just always had a problem with like, <laughs> like a, a wife character. I don't know sure. why that is. It's mm-hmm. very apparent in House and on a Hill. It's mm-hmm. very apparent in the Tingler, like almost to the same lines, you know. Like, Do you know if he did Tale of Terrors or Tales of Terror? Oh, I'm I'm gonna find out now. Because the wife in that one is so memorable to me. The opening of Tales of Terror with Vincent Price is just the most hysterical marital spat. And the wife is pretty unsuffer- insufferable in that as well. And I would be very, I have never made that connection before, but clearly he's projecting some, some issues. <laughs> um, no, Tales of Terror was directed by Roger Corman. Um, of all okay. Roger Might have been Corman. just the theme of the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is about, um about Vincent Price though like he he delivers that kind of like wry sardonic wit so well mm-hmm. um yeah. it's just I, for the the line that gets me with House and Haunted Hill is like remember that time you tried to poison me yeah. and then and then his wife is like oh it was just something you ate yes arsenic on the rocks yeah <laughs> it's so oh. good so perfect oh he's so good well i'm really glad you brought that movie up because uh i i wholeheartedly agree and i i chose the tingler as the the i love it comparison read like go watch both of those movies they're immaculate okay definitely definitely have to revisit that one because it was definitely hard to narrow it down of my favorites of his I think uh, for me, Signs uh, is kind of a stupid choice. But um, I, first of all, had never seen an alien movie that actually scared me until I saw Signs. But uh, it it has a very special place uh, for me at this time of year because there was a year when my mom and I were just hanging out. It was just a lazy Halloween I think it was probably on a Saturday or something and we had cable finally I was in high school and we finally had cable and we just couldn't find anything to watch so we watched signs and when signs was over we still couldn't find anything to watch so we just hit play on the DVD again and watch signs again <laughs> it's just this this Halloween of watching signs multiple times because even with cable we, we I think we did pause to watch frogs um that was funny but now I get this itch on Halloween to watch signs. It's just this like Halloween day afternoon thing that I feel obligated to just do now. And I love the movie. I love the premise. And it was genuinely creepy for me, especially the first time I saw it, that scene where you're watching the alien, you know, in the home video and you don't know what they want. And it's slow kind of coming to this family, you know, they're still kind of living normal life. It's that that fear I think that's very real for a lot of people when you're watching something horrific happening around the world and it you recognize how easy things can happen to you too and it's it's that anxiety of when is it coming for me that I think is so terrifying especially with aliens because they would be so unpredictable you know you would have no idea what they're capable of or if they're around or what they would do to you. I just love that 
the slow creeping of that movie and it's now my halloween watch (laughs) it's a super effective movie um yeah i (laughs) say what you will about m night Shyamalan because yeah (laughs) you know like for me he's very hit and miss but i i will say um i think he knows how to shoot a movie you know like i I, do too i really think that he he understands kind of the the idea of like capital c cinema um yeah and i think signs is one of his more effective movies in that respect um for me it's unbreakable um i love unbreakable that is kind of my choice for like a halloween Shyamalan movie Mm -hmm. um it's superheroes are already you know costumes and whatnot but that movie is so immaculately shot it's such a beautiful um kind of cinematic experience and i think that at least in that era for Shyamalan, he was trying some new things and kind of establishing his his voice as a director um, mm-hmm. that makes for really compelling cinema. Yeah, it does. And I think when you kind of uh, take characters and just keep them incredibly human, mm. that is super effective because you're always, ex- I think in a movie, you're always expecting something kind of unrealistic to happen you know with with everybody that's the magic of it right but I think he does a really good job especially in his earlier movies of putting people in situations that they don't really like you spend the whole time in Unbreakable not realizing really how powerful Bruce Willis is and what's going on here and that's what makes the ending so big is that he really downplays his characters rather than you know showcase them in a big way and that's super effective i think yeah i i totally agree one of my favorite parts of unbreakable is the color coding of that movie Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah it's it's i think man there's so much that can be done in the medium of cinema to or or of film you know to kind of storytell and i think that he's one of the few you know, kind of writer directors that I've seen that really wants to kind of push for that kind of cinematic presence as a particular Mm -hmm. art style and, and, and to recognize, you know, style as substance a lot of times. And that shows up in, you know, stuff like how he, how he frames a scene or, or how he, you know, adds color or, you know, um, gosh just just the blocking sometimes you know like like yep. he's, he makes statements through a lot of that and i yeah yep. he's a really compelling filmmaker yeah i agree really good choice very interesting right. choice okay um i i brought up a uh, great pumpkin uh, the it's the great pumpkin charlie brown of course like this of is course seasonal favorite um yes. <laughs> Something about Halloween and cartoons just works for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that there's just a kind of classicism <laughs> to the Charlie Brown story um, that kind of speaks to the whole vibe and spirit of, you know, a kind of Halloween time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would make my friends watch it. Uh, I had a club called Ranger Rick where I would teach my friends about animals <laughs> And I didn't want to know for, anything. Yeah, for Halloween, um, 
I would do that. We would do what we'd break away from my standard, you know, we need to save the planet lectures at eight years old and have popcorn and watch the great pumpkin Charlie Brown around Halloween time. So that one is also very special to me. <laughs> oh gosh. I love it. I love it so much. Did you have any kind of interesting traditions growing up? Not really because, uh, Halloween was kind of that time of year when I finally got to be myself and indulge in things that I actually liked and gravitated towards. You know, my parents never really looked into what I was getting at the school library, so they didn't realize how much horror I was reading. Um, it was very limited on the television. You know, I saw The Shining as a kid, but it was the TV version and the version I saw as an adult from Blockbuster was wildly different. <laughs> <laughs> one I saw on television so we didn't really have much, many traditions because it wasn't a holiday that was necessarily important other than my mom making the caramel corn it was pretty traditional to have homemade costumes um but it was just really fun for me because finally the things I liked were acceptable this one time a year you know my mom was very crafty and she did make this really cute Halloween castle out of cardboard boxes and she was a great painter and so that was really real I still want to make one for myself but as far as traditions it was really just uh you know get the kids out of the house to go get them some candy hang out with friends kind of a thing we did have like a church Halloween thing where kids could wear their costumes so it wasn't so strict that you know people in my neighborhood weren't going trick-or-treating and dressing up and whatever and the fun thing in my neighborhood being Mormon the only good thing I growing up that way was that I literally knew everybody in my neighborhood so trick-or-treating was so fun because you knew everyone's parents all the kids trick-or-treating you were very comfortable going to everybody's house um and that was really fun but tradition not really because that wasn't that important you know it was fun but it wasn't this thing where we did the same thing every year until about junior high I discovered murder mystery parties <laughs> and I started hosting those every Halloween for my friends and I love cooking my whole life so my parents let me do the whole thing I did a whole course dinner I'm not even going to be humble about it. My friends were very lucky. Because <laughs> I, I put on one hell of a murder mystery party, but they all got, you know, when we were too old to trick or treat, that's what we ended up doing was murder mystery parties at my house with dinner and dressing up. And that was really fun. That became the new tradition. So, man, I've always wanted someone to invite me over for a murder mystery party. Listen, you can come to Maine anytime. I will. <laughs> Gladly host one. <laughs> so what about now, you know, kind of reflecting back as an adult on this this time of year, um, you know, what are the things that you want to celebrate the most? Now that I have a kid, it's kind of all centered around what I want him to have, you know, as far as the costumes and you know, Halloween's sort of something we just celebrate all year in my house is not all of the Halloween decorations get put away <laughs> for Halloween. Um, so I have really considered specific things, especially now that we moved. I never really considered even moving, you know, so all of that happened really fast. So I, th I think 
I just want to make it something that's really fun for our family. I want to try and find something we can do. Kind of like how my mom and I had like a particular movie we'd watch during the day. You know, maybe start something like that where we make Halloween day like a big significant something. And I guess I'll just kind of have to play it by ear what my my kid tends to enjoy or like or want to do and maybe the caramel corn will have to make an appearance in my house now I'll have to figure <laughs> out how my mom did that but yeah I don't really know for sure yet with how things are gonna look here this will mm. be our first Halloween here so it'll be interesting we live in a very small town now so I think traditions mm. the idea of what will be in the future will kind of have a better idea after this Halloween how I want to there's an impending doom right now in my anxiety <laughs> of how to move forward and make my own traditions now that we're away from family. So yeah, I think I'm just trying to be very open to what might work for us now, but definitely Halloween all day, every day. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I really love that. I I feel like I've worked very hard to try to figure out what Halloween kind of means to me and and mm -hmm. I don't I don't necessarily know that I go full in on like being super grotesque about it you know yeah <laughs> yeah I think I think you can definitely take it a little too far um mm -hmm. but I think that for me it's always been about kind of like I don't know celebrating a time of of harvest with friends you know like mm -hmm. I feel like for me it's always kind of kicking off this whole new season of just celebrating each other and celebrating the things that, you know, we're kind of thankful for. So with oh, yeah. my family, you know, growing up and hiding away from the trick-or-treaters, we converted that to a, kind of a, a, a need for authenticity um, with mm -hmm. one another. You know, it if we think about what would be the diametric opposition to a trick-or-treater it would be like taking off the costume taking off the mask and being more yeah. authentic with one another and I think that that has led me to think about Halloween much more in communal terms mm -hmm. um, of of family and friends and the way that I wish to kind of celebrate them and being with them so I love fall activities like going out into a cornfield or, you know, oh, or yeah. something like that, like a corn maze and, and uh, getting a burrito and a, and a, an apple, you know, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know, that sort of thing. But I think it's less about the activity. Yeah. And it's more I about agree. the people I do the activity with. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what Halloween is to me. It is a time when I get to be with my friends and yeah, we can do spooky stuff and we can have, you know, kind of this fun celebratory experience of the cycles of life and death or what have you. Um, but I think too, part of that cycle is like celebrating with friends, which is why I'm so glad to have had this time with you. Um, because Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is so it's delightful to gush and it's also just delightful to connect and I think that that to me is the Halloween spirit you know mm -hmm. I totally agree it feels to me 
Halloween as I get older doesn't feel like a day of celebration. It's definitely leaning into this season. Things are getting colder. I feel like that need for connection gets a little stronger, you know, and uh, there are so many fun things to do with people. I had friends here from Germany last week and they don't celebrate Halloween to the extent that we do. So we did the apple picking and the pumpkin carving and a lot of cooking and you know, being able to share just kind of what this season has to offer besides just, you know, trick-or-treating and haunted houses is really, really special. And I'm very grateful that you asked me to be uh, on this episode in particular, because I love talking about this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a true delight. Um, where can people find out more about your forthcoming projects? Um, mostly Instagram and Twitter and or X. Um, I'm on Instagram at Katrina Caruth author and on X Twitter, whatever we're calling it at just Katrina Caruth or at Katrina Caruth. Um, yeah, that's where I share a lot of, um, I haven't updated my website. I, I don't recommend anybody (laughs) go look at that. (laughs) Well, hopefully you'll have uh, a novel to celebrate in the future and a a real reason to update your website. (laughs) I sure hope so. Fingers crossed. Well, um, thank you again for for doing this today. This has been a wonderful, wonderful time. And hey, listener, um, go read some spooky stuff. Uh, Share with us online. You can find us on Twitter uh, or X or Instagram or Blue Sky or whatever. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're at Slay House lit bits uh anywhere and uh we want to know we want to know what you're up to very much thank you so much 